Today's reading, Philippians 3, verses 7 through 11. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That is the word of God. Today I have a message I prepared called The power of Christ's resurrection. This passage is talking about the power of the resurrection. And and, um, so for those of you who are regulars in our church, you know we're in the middle of the series called Union with Christ. You know, it's kind of tricky. You get get this, the most important holiday of the year. You get really the most important day of the year. And um, does it fit this series? It, It really does. But just for the sake of anybody who's new, I, I, I did come up with a message. It's a little bit more, almost like a one-off, but the middle portion is especially important to our series, okay? So this is kind of really is like a part 15 of our Union with Christ series, and I'll say more about especially that middle portion next week, okay? Um, so if that's interesting to you, you can come back next week, even if you're, uh, if you're not one of our regulars. But if you're not, thank you so much for coming, and let's get into it today. Part one, inner strength, resilience, and the power to live. We have a real issue today with resilience. And um, the power of the resurrection, I think, speaks very, very relevantly to the question of resilience. So inner strength, resilience, and the power to live. Part two, part two, gaining by losing. This is at the center of union with Christ. Life is about gaining very strangely by losing. That's part two. And part three, the the power of the resurrection in you. Is there a power of resurrection? Not just up there, but in you. That's the way part three is going to be. Okay? So, Inner strength, resilience, and the power to live. So when I was a kid, um, I have this memory where my aunt, she was uh, she's only seven years older than me, and she must have been in middle school or something like that at the time. She gave us a phone call, and she, had, she surveyed everybody in my family, what do you fear the most? Okay, <laughs> what do you fear the most? And... Um, and so, you know, she gave us a list. You know, one of them was like dangerous animals. <laughs> and the other one was like death. Do you fear death? And at the time, my other aunt lived with us. And, you know, the question went to her. And to my great sh- surprise, she said, uh, I'm most afraid of dangerous animals. I was like, what? <laughs> I remember, I'm like five years old. And I look, what? 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 Who, who has that answer? That was the weirdest answer. And then my youngest aunt asked, okay, what about you, Susan? 
What do you fear the most? Death, of course. I fear dying. And I thought, like my other aunt was irrational. <laughs> I said, the only reason you fear the animal is because you fear dying. <laughs> Isn't that why you're afraid of some, you know, some scary animal? Because they'll kill you. So really, aren't you afraid of dying? So this, I mean, this is what kind of five-year-old I was, okay? So, when you go to church, and then you hear this thing called eternal life, I was like, I'm very interested in that teaching. <laughs> Since death is the thing I fear the most. And when I thought of eternal life, you know what I mostly thought it was like? I said, you just get to be you, and you live forever and that's what it's like. Okay, that's my five-year-old or actually my seven-year-old and nine-year-old. You're you. <laughs> Except somehow you just get to live the rest of your life. And it never dies. And you're immortal. It goes on forever. Now let me ask you a question. Would that be good? <laughs> Would that be good? Would you like to be you the way you are now? And just like... Go on forever this way. <laughs> now, maybe you'd like some improvements, hopefully. Um, what if your self-centeredness is just still part of who you are? What if your selfishness? What if you're easy to anger and quick to blame other people? What if you're insecure and always worried about what other people think of you? I'm sure none of you are like that, right? <laughs> none of you, okay, the, you don't have these issues. And, you know, we, we always regularly look at the outside of a person. Oh, that person has more gray hair. Oh, that person's losing their hair. They're getting wrinkled. They're getting old. Oh, my goodness. They look sick, and they might die. But what we don't do is we don't look on the inside. And on the inside, there's all this nasty, toxic stuff. Quick to anger. Insecure. Greedy. Selfish. Self-centered. Very judgmental. Okay, I'm, I'm not that judgmental. Don't, don't kid yourself, okay? You're not judgmental on category A, but you're very judgmental on category B. If you're a Democrat, you're not judgmental on certain things, but you're very judgmental on other things. But then if you're a Republican, flip those categories around. Not judgmental on these things, but very judgmental on these other things. That's what's going on in our, our culture. It's just, which one do you hate people over and judge people over? Our politics is very much, it's toxic like that. Now, let me ask you this. So you don't die. All this stuff is in you. And you know if you've lived life for a while, these toxic things that are in you, are they easy to get rid of? <laughs> like, you probably know you're an insecure person. And you've been an insecure person for a long time. So... Are you, do you know how to get over that? Do you know how to get over that? So would you like to live forever like that? What if you had eternal life and it was like that? Would that be a great forever? Wouldn't that be more like hell? <laughs> you get to be this you including all the, the bad stuff, the stuff that you like to deny or ignore, and you especially hate it when other people see it. 
So we, we, we got, you know, we got to like that. That's what I called the jar of gold last week. We got to cover it up, jar of gold. We don't like that our life is a jar of clay. And so, but if you were like this forever, it would not be heaven. It would be hell. <laughs> now, um, one of the problems in our, in our society, this is a big, big problem in our culture. Our culture doesn't take eternity very seriously. And then our culture doesn't take the real deep problems of being human seriously. And the real deep problems of being human are the stuff, the toxic stuff on the inside. That's the, this is the real problem. So our, our culture only is worried about things like, you know, how much money you get, how healthy we are, how good looking you are, and then making sure the people who have less health and less money can get a chance. And then, you know, if, that, if they can get that, then we have a better society. But we're very, very, have no real way to deal with the toxic stuff on the inside. And I'm, I'm calling it the toxic stuff on the inside, but our, our other pastor, Pastor Young, he gave us a word for that, which the Bible uses, which our culture doesn't even like that word. It's a three-letter word called sin. Okay? And that's what the church talks about. That's what the Bible talks about. Now, I want to, let me just shift a little bit. Um, I've, I've been reading a lot of articles about where our society is these days. And you know what this really interesting thing is? Is the young people, they are not interested in living forever. They're not. The young people, of course, eternal life. That just sounds like a fairy tale. Okay, so, okay, of course, they're not interested in that kind of living forever. But here's what I'm seeing about our young people. They're not even interested in living, making it to 70 or 80 or 100. And we have a term for this today, and that is lack of resilience. So um, this is an article that came out not long ago called the, from the, in the Atlantic. I don't know if you guys read the Atlantic. It's, it's, you know, it's one of our, our leading news magazines. It's not exactly news, but it's like smart people who write uh, you know, about the subjects that we face. So they aren't all as serious as this. Sometimes they have some lighter subject matters. But the name of this article was, Why American Teens Are So Sad. <laughs> Why American Teens Are So Sad. It was written by Derek Thompson. And to, not, to, not right now, but when you go home, go home and read it. It's a great read. It's not that long. Great read. But let me just give you an excerpt. This is how it starts. The United States is experiencing an extreme teenage mental health crisis. Extreme teenage mental health crisis. From 2009 to 2021, the share of American high school students who say they feel persistent, persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. When I was a teenager, if you went to school and someone they felt said they had persistent feelings of hopelessness, that was a very, very unusual kid, okay? That is not an unusual kid today. So the kids who say, I have persistent feelings of sadness of, or hopelessness, I mean, that's a big word, hopeless, rose from, and listen to this, 26%, which is a bad number, 26% is more than one out of four, rose from 26% 
to 44%. According to a new CDC study, this is the highest level of teenage sadness ever recorded. Isn't that crazy? The government survey of almost 8,000 high school students, and I don't know if you guys understand how social science works. If you get 8,000, if that's your sample size, I presume they're kids from all around the country. That is a very, very serious sample size. It's very, very serious science. Survey of almost 8,000 high school students, which was conducted in the first six months of 2021, it's just last year, very recent, found a great deal of variation in mental health among different groups. More than one in four girls reported they had seriously contemplated attempting suicide during the pandemic. One out of four. That number is twice the rate of boys. I read that and I said, wow. One out of eight is the boys number. That's a horrific number. One out of four for the girls. I, I can't even wrap my head around that. I can't wrap my head around the fact that if you walk down the street and you just go, one, two, three, four, that girl's thinking about suicide. <laughs> Recently, she's thought about doing it. Not just, it was kind of an idea in the back of my mind. She's thought about doing it. So then there's a graph. And here is the, the, top of the, the, the title of the graph is percent of high school students who feel persistently sad or hopeless. And then they give you all these different demographics and they are catastrophic, terrible. They show you what the number was like, like about 10 years ago, and then, the, and then it goes like this. Show you different, you know, uh, LGBT kids. And they were there down here, and then the number goes like this. It's just, just all across the country, the numbers go like this. So here it goes. The big picture is the same across all categories. Almost every measure of mental health is getting worse for every teenage demographic. And it is happening all across the country. It's not a West Coast thing. It's not like in the sticks. <laughs> you know, it's not city. It's not, it's across the country. It's crazy. Since 2009, sadness and hopelessness have increased for every race, for straight teens and for gay teens, for teens who, who say they've had, never had sex and for those who've said that they've had sex with males and or females. For students in every year of high school, every year. And for teens in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. So, this is the issue I like to raise. Resilience. But let me say it a little bit differently. Resilience is the power to live. To power to keep living. I've got some strength in me. Inside, I told you the stuff that's important is what's on the inside. So do you have some kind of strength inside of you? Life is kicking you down. <laughs> Life is pretty bad. Apparently for the last couple years, for the teenagers, life has been pretty awful, right? And so, do you have resilience? Do you have an inner strength? Do you have a, a power to live, to Live and press on and fight on even when life kicks you down or even if you fail 
or even when others fail you, or maybe even when you feel like you failed and you don't even think you're worth very much. Do you have resilience to live, to live? That's the question I want to raise. This is part one. Now I just want to say one more thing before I go to part two. If you're listening to this message either in this room or on our live stream, I have something I'd like to say to you. If you're listening to this message and you are in that category and you have this term, suicidal ideation, I want to say one thing to you before I move on. I beg you, I beg you, do not believe that thought. I don't even care if it's that thought about maybe it would be better to die. Maybe it would be better if I kill myself. I don't care if that thought is coming from you. It's your own mind that's saying it to you. I beg you, disbelieve you. <laughs> Here's something a lot of people don't know, especially secular people don't know. There are thoughts, there are words, there are ideas that come from the pits of hell. They come from a demonic place. And demonic powers know how to speak to you through you. That's actually one of the worst sources to get a demonic idea into your life from you. And so please don't listen to the demonic. Consider what we're talking about today. That there is a hope, and there's a hope to get resilience, and that you want to live not just for seven years or a hundred, you actually can believe there's a power and a, a great wonder to live forever. That's what we want to offer you, okay? Let's go to part two, gaining by losing. So I don't usually wait to get to part two before we get to the passage, but let's get into the passage now, right? So just for the sake of time, there's like, I, didn't, I, I didn't cover the portion right before it because it just take a little bit, bit much explaining. But let me just say what it's about. What Paul says right before this passage is his boasts. That's what he says. He basically tells you, this is who I am. And he tells you everything of who he is that has worth in the world, in his world. Particularly, and he's a Jewish man who comes from a religious culture. And then he basically lays out all his boasts, all the bragging about how, who he is in his culture. Basically, he's saying, I got everything. So that's what he does right before this passage. So if we were going we to do a 21st century American version of it, instead of him saying, like, I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, you know, like, and then I'm a Pharisee, and I know the law, I know everything of the Bible, that's who I am. And tells us his boasts, his worth of his righteousness based on himself. But today we would say it a little differently. We might say something like this. I come from this family, and we're a smart people, and we're successful. And I went to this school and I got these grades, and I got this SAT score, and then I went to this graduate school, and then I got this job, and I'm kicking butt in my job. 
and I drive this car, and I live in this neighborhood, and by the way, I bought that house, even though I live in Silicon Valley, which is crazy. <laughs> now, people won't actually say that stuff, because if you do, you sound really, really obnoxious. But actually, that's, if we have those things, we have these boasts, then we feel like we have some power, something in our life has some real worth that we could say, I'm going to live, I want to live. But if you don't have this boast, then you might start thinking, you might start listening to the demonic in your head and saying, maybe it's better to end it. Resilience. Um, a couple days ago, I was driving home. Uh, I took the Lawrence Expressway exit off the Highway 280. I live close to there. And you come off there, and then there's a light there, and there was a homeless woman right there. And she was an odd-looking homeless woman. For one, she was kind of pretty, <laughs> which is strange. And she was middle-aged. And she wore a little bit of a nice dress. And she did not look terribly depressed. So she, she's clearly homeless. She's messing with her stuff. And she has a shopping cart there. And she was just basically like packing and cleaning up her stuff like it was just a normal day. And I'm sitting there looking at this lady going, somewhere in your life, your life dropped down to the bottom. But usually when you meet, see a homeless person, that's not what they look like. She looks like she's still got a fight. She looks like she's like, I know it sucks living on the stupid streets. I'm going to clean this crap up, and I don't care if all these idiots are watching me, and I'm going to get on. That was like, that was like she had a strength in her. That was, it was really strange. And so I was looking at her like, wow. And then I looked at the cars that were next to me, and they were looking at her too. Because she had something in her. Strange to see some measure of inner strength in a homeless person. Because usually they hide. And usually they're barely hanging on inside. Now, I want to say something about all this. You know, you have all these boasts. And these boasts are the things by which, if I have these things in my life, then I can have resilience and some power, right? It's amazing to me that a lady has some resilience. But she's probably just a couple of bad things away from happening to her, and that thing will just go like this. I want to just say a little something. If you're upper middle class, start thinking about what is your basis of boasts by which you have resilience? Why would you think, I can live, and I want to keep living. And I want to just challenge you a little bit. Your basis of resilience, if it's all your boasts, what would happen to you if those things started to break down? I come from a good family. So what if you got tempted, you cheated on your wife, and now you don't have a good family? Boom, one leg of the resilience just went bong. It's gone because your wife leaves you. Right? What if your job 
goes to India? <laughs> or what if the person who's in the same work group as you is just better than you? <laughs> and then she gets promoted, and then you get cut. And then you lose your mortgage, and then your wife gets stressed, and you lose your family. <laughs> then your resilience is like, okay, that was a piece of my resilience. Gone. This is gone. When you look at the homeless people in the street, do you think that can't be you? You think that can't be you? I sure hope you don't think that can't be you. If it weren't for the grace of God, it could be you. It could be you. And when I see them, it's not because I'm some holy dude. I'm like, I have compassion. Because I just so, if God wasn't good to me, that could be me. Now I want to take you to a passage here. In this passage is a pathway to resilience. But it's strange. You gain this power to live. You gain life. See, the power to live is life. And life is not just breathing. You gain the power to live, and we have this secular word, resilience. You gain it by losing something. And I want to take you to this verse. Here's what it says. All right. This is uh, the middle portion of verse 8. And let's go to the top of verse 8, just so you can read the whole thing. I count everything as loss. Okay, let's back up. Maybe that's confusing. Verse 7. Whatever gain I had, and by the way, he just listed all his gain. All the gain, you know, all the stuff that I have a boast on. He lists all that. Whatever gain I had, I count, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There is a, there is a worth here that is above everything else. Above your job, your money, whatever boasts. There's a surpassing worth. And here we go. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. Now he's talking about loss. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as scubalon. So that's the Greek word. Scubalon. Okay. Rubbish. That is a nice translation. <laughs> kind of. It's a very nice translation. I look it up. In the Greek, scubalon is the junk you throw out of your kitchen. The stuff that will rot and make your house stink. That's one definition. But there's a second definition. <laughs> the second definition is the stuff that drops into your toilet <laughs> from you. We have a word for it. And we spell it S-H-I-T. But this is a, a little bit more, <laughs> this is a better, so let's not use such a profane word. Right. He says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as crap. 
And he goes on to say this, in order that I may gain Christ, back to gaining, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Now, let me stop for a moment. We don't use that language today. Righteousness is not a word that secular 21st century Americans, we're like, what is that word? It sounds like a re religious word. It's a weird word, okay? Today, it's a weird word. But let me give you a 21st century translation. Here's what righteous means. There's a standard out there. You're above that standard. That's what it means. To the Jews, the highest standard is the law, the law from God. <laughs> why, would you want, why would you want Google standard? <laughs> you know, why, why, why would you want a white American standard? Or even a black American standard? Or a Chinese standard? When there's God's standard, that's the way the Jews think, okay? The God has a standard, and we call it the law. And you want to be above that standard, and we call that righteousness. But just because you, we don't believe in God, and we don't believe there's a law from God, because this is 21st century America, it doesn't mean you can get away from this issue. Human beings want to be above the standard, and we have a, I would, let me, so let me use the 21st century translation of righteousness. Let's call it worthiness. <laughs> worthiness. So let me, re, let me reread what he said so it'll help you to say, hear it a little better. For Christ's sake, I have suffered the loss of all, loss of all things and count them as crap. That's all his boasts. <laughs> all his boasts. Yeah, I got highest grades. I went to Stanford. Then I went, and then like, I just kicked butt in my job and I made millions of dollars. I counted as crap. <laughs> That's what he's saying. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a worthiness of my own that comes from my standards in this world, but that, but a worthiness which comes through faith in Christ. The worthiness from God that depends on faith, namely faith in the gospel. So let me say this and then we'll go to part three. If you do not believe in Jesus or even in religion, that doesn't mean you're not religious. Everyone believes in a religion. Everyone. You got to have some kind of standard. Whatever that is, you don't consider it religion, but that's your religion. There are Christians who go to church and then they say, this is my religion. But in their real life, your boasts give you your worthiness over your standard. That's your actual religion, okay? All of you who are Christians. You say you're a Christian, but in your heart, your actual religion is your boasts of worthiness above your standards. I want to tell you that to you just like all our secular neighbors. So, even if you don't believe in G or religion, you believe in some values, morality, destiny, hopes that determine your worth based upon your standards, you believe in your religion, you have to, because this is the, how we're human. Because <laughs> if you don't have a religion, you know what will happen? You will start thinking like this. What's the point? <laughs> so when your religion fails or you fail your religion, 
your resilience is going to go out the window. So I'm saying this to you because this is a real problem in your life. This is a problem of, we're seeing all around our neighbors. This is a problem, apparently, with one out of four girls. One out of eight boys. Crazy, all across the country. And so, even if you don't believe in Jesus, and you're just saying, I don't think I'm going to believe in him today, I want to ask you today, just remember this, put what I'm saying in your head in the question of resilience and the toxic stuff inside you. Would you put that in your mind and let it rest back there? And maybe sometime in the future, the Holy Spirit will be good to you. And you'll remember that there's a faith, there's a pathway to something different. Let me close this way. Um, think of your life as holding on to something like this. Okay? You got stuff in your hands. You ever go to a kid who's holding on to his favorite toy, like a little kid, they're holding on to their favorite toy? And then you're like, hey, I got you a better toy. <laughs> and then, well, what happens? They're like, no. <laughs> Is that child receptive? They're holding on to their favorite toy or their favorite food. Maybe their favorite food is some piece of junk. And then you offer like a feast. Ooh, look at this. They're like, no, go away. <laughs> they hold on to this thing. And so, you know what your life is, is? All your boasts, all your righteousness, all your worthiness, that's what you're holding on to. That's you. This is the equivalent of your favorite toy or favorite food, except it's your boasts and your righteousness and your worthiness. And there is one who will offer you a worthiness which will give you a resilience that can last forever. <laughs> last forever. Not like the stupid piece of immortality I thought about when I was five years old, but resurrection immortality. Because resurrection means you have been washed. You have a new body and a new mind and a new heart. And the toxins are gone. And he has put himself into you. He has put a resurrection humanity into you. That's what he's offering to you by grace. That's Easter. And you know how you receive it? To believe it. But here's the way I want to close. If you believe it, this, all this boast and stuff you got to hold on to, you got to lose it. Because you can't receive his resilience, which he's going to give you, his eternal life, which is of himself, he's going to give you, until all this boast, this boast and this worthiness and righteousness, you can say, you know, I, I, I think maybe I should put this down. And if I put this down, then I could receive the bigger thing. That's what we're asking you today. This power comes from the resurrection. You know what resurrection is? It's eternal resilience. It's better than resilience. It's love and joy and peace and purpose. It's eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal purpose. And it's eternal love, not just to be, have love, but to be loved and to have so many other people to love forever and ever. See, because if they 
have this eternal resilience and all their toxins are gone, that's heaven. That's the neighborhood I want to live in forever. Don't you? And today at church, that's what we're going to believe in. We're going to trust by hope, by faith, that the resurrection will have the final say. And we're going to trust that Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, he'll wash away our toxins. And resurrection resilience can be ours today. But I call you, start thinking about your scuba line. You know, it's not to say you shouldn't try hard in school. It's not to say, I really want a good-looking wife. It's not even to say you, want, you shouldn't buy a house, okay? I'm not saying any of those things. They just cannot be your boast. They cannot be your worthiness. They can't, it can't be a religion. If this is your hope, if this is why you wake up and why you have resilience you will soon not have resilience. <laughs> but if you have an eternal king who died to wash away all your toxins and to wash away your scubalon, even if your scubalon is your righteousness, then he will give you resurrection life and you'll have eternal resilience. You hear that? So let's go to the table. I mean, no table of the Lord. I wish we should. We're going to pray today. And, uh, and today, if you do believe in this Jesus, if you're a Christian, say, if my scubalon is my religion, today I count it as loss. <laughs> Today's the day you get to lose that stuff from your heart. And if you are not a Christian, I encourage you to think about maybe your scubalon your righteousness, your boasts, maybe it ain't worth too, as much as you think and you can get something better from Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we live our lives based upon our boasts. But the truth of it is, none of those boasts can last forever. And no matter how righteous we think we are based upon our performance and our standards, this is but utter crap. It is scubalon. It's stuff we must throw away for it will rot and stink up the house. It will stink up our souls. But you, Father, have sent your son Jesus so there could be a better humanity and a better life and a resilience which is crazy to think, a resilience which is worthy of eternity. And it's not something we wait to have when we quote-unquote get to heaven. We get it here today so heaven could start now. Thank you that this is the gift and promise of Resurrection Sunday, of Easter Sunday. Thank you that this is what we get when our life is built on faith in Jesus Christ and his gospel, not on our boasts and not on our all our little pathetic religions. We thank you that this is the truth. This is the good news. And Lord, help us believe you 
and call us back to you when we stop believing you. In Jesus' name, amen.